Broadcasting from the studios of Business Radio X, it's time for E-Commerce Connector. This show is brought to you by Polyglot Labs, driving growth and innovation in the e-commerce world. Now, here's your host, Garrett Massey. Welcome to E-Commerce Connector. I'm your host, Garrett Massey. Today, we are speaking with Mr. Brendan Brosnan. Mr. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, Brendan, tell us a little bit about your uh, long and storied career in the e-commerce space. For sure. So, I got started in e-commerce in 2017. I was playing football at Penn State. Um, had to, unfortunately, hang up my jersey uh, due to a career-ending injury. Um, from there, I attended a um, a speaker who was like literally presented on how to make money on the internet. So it sounded interesting to me, um, and I went to see his talk. Uh, and from the, it kind of started from there. I went. I was that kid that went up to the speaker after he was done and was like, "Hey, man, would love to like grab your email, uh, your phone number. Would love to connect with you." Um, and he was a little reluctant, but he's like, "Sure, why not?" And I ended up kind of like I sent him an email, just offering like I, I looked into his businesses offered him some opportunities, just sent him like an email, like trying to offer some value. That led to my first business partnership that I started in college. Um, it was an Amazon FBA business selling men's rompers, Hawaiian shirts, hats. Um, and so that's how I got started. And then I decided to go full-time. I ended up networking with a bunch of other e-commerce entrepreneurs in college. I, I went on my way to like find other people in the same space. And the first year after college or, or immediately post-college, I moved into an e-commerce incubator with 12 other people. So we all lived in one house together, 12 of us, all running multiple e-commerce brands. Um, and that was the next five years of my life, um, living with people who I was running businesses with, um, and really just like learning the ins and outs of e-commerce. We, we launched so many different stores, tested so many different things, um, you know, in a bunch of different industries, a bunch of different categories. So I was really lucky to find the, the right people at the right time um, that kind of like, you know, exploded my career in, in e-commerce. So uh, you you caught my attention at men's rompers. Not going to lie. Uh, so that seems like a, an an interesting niche. Uh, you know of of the e commerce ventures you've been involved with. What other kind of interesting or unique uh, products have have you sold? Yeah, yeah, that one that one was honestly one of my favorites, just because it's lighthearted, it's funny, yeah. like marketing to like a funny demographic. Um, I've done jewelry. Um, I've done athleisure. I've done like fitness apparel, um, yoga equipment, yoga apparel. I've had a, like a men's clothing line, um, have done like wall art and different home decor. Um, so a few different categories, um, that I was able to grow over the years. Um, and then eventually sell last year I, I sold four separate direct four separate businesses to two separate private equity groups in 2022 so 
um, it was cool to see them all the way through and actually get that exit opportunity um, and kind of, you know, learn that whole process, which is, uh, mm -hmm. which is an awesome learning experience for me. Yeah, I can imagine. So tell me what it's like being in an e-commerce incubator with a dozen other folks. Um, you, so you said it was a live-in kind of, y'all were all in the same house kicking it? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. Um, yeah, we had nine of us living in the main house. There was three people in the guest house. Um, we were on 25 acres of land. We had you know, we, we had a shooting range, we were shooting guns, like we were having business meetings, like shooting guns in like the yeah. forest in the middle of the forest. It was a compound to be straight up. Like, sure. um, we actually, we, had, we ended up hosting a couple of e-com events at the house, which was awesome. But yeah, I mean, it was mayhem. It was like, like shark tank. Everyone was launching businesses. We were like giving equity away on a whim. I, would, yeah. I gave, I'm like, Hey, do you want 10% to handle my supply chain? He's like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And like, that's how it got started. Like, we were just like fast moving, fast operating, launching businesses without like, we had no operating agreements. You know, there were no, we were just like executing. We were, we were launching businesses. We were making a ton of mistakes, but we were learning and sharing yeah. with each other. Most importantly, we were sharing with each other, like the mistakes that we were making and also the the successes that we were having so we were able to like effectively expedite everybody's learning um from the fact that everybody was running different businesses you know we weren't all running the same one or two businesses i think at one point in the house near the end there were probably 30 businesses running out of this incubator really wow. yeah i was running three myself or three with my partner chris um so it's just like, we were just like spawning yeah. these e-commerce businesses. That's wild. The wild, wild west of e-commerce. Yes. Uh, did you guys focus on a particular platform uh, for the e-commerce side of things? Or was it just kind of all over the board? Or Yeah. So the first business I did was Amazon FBA. Um, but then we transitioned into direct-to-consumer stuff so I, I mostly shopify um reason being we wanted to like own our customer data and we were doing a lot with email and sms marketing um and like we we learned the power of that early on like if we could get an email and a phone number we could make this customer come back and offer them new products and you know remarket to them and also we just we became we did so much with um with like Facebook ads, Google ads, mm -hmm. you know, we, we tried so many different advertising platforms um, and driving traffic to Shopify or to your own website, you have access to all those advanced analytics. You know, sure. you could see your conversion rate, your average order value, your bounce rate, like a bunch of important metrics to look at that Amazon doesn't give you access to in the yeah. same way. Um, so there was a lot of advantages from like a data perspective to launching our own websites. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. One of our previous guests, Mr. Evan Katz, uh, owns a board game uh, company called Very Special Games. And that was one of the things that he observed when he and I were speaking uh, was, you know, by pumping things through Amazon. Uh, there's a lot of benefit, especially on the logistics, shipping, fulfillment side of things. 
Uh, there's also the caveat of your data is not uh, truly, truly your own. Curious yeah. to know, you know, if uh, you know if you're if you're selling, you know, men's rompers over here and you know, XYZ over here, were you able to uh, kind of cross-pollinate the marketing list that you guys had uh, cross brands to cross-promote? Yeah, great, great question. Um, we try, we did try that unsuccessfully. Um, okay. It ended up creating like more headaches than anything. Um, it, it just wasn't super effective for us. Like, like we acquired a customer on one brand to intro them to like a sister brand or like yeah. another brand as we kind of try to frame it as like uh they were connected it just didn't work that well i think because that customer didn't know the other brand they didn't like trust it as much as they trusted the original brand that they bought from so we there were opportunities for us to cross sell products but we would just offer the products on um on like the original website um if it made sense so like we we did uh, like eventually kind of do jewelry to like some of our yoga customers um because we had like some best-selling SKUs that we were able to bring over yeah. um from one business to the other so we did it a little bit but to be honest they were most we mostly kept them separate okay. um yeah how did you how did you guys go about uh you and yeah, I think you mentioned your partner, Chris, you know, how did you guys go about identifying like, Hey, there's a need for this particular type of jewelry or this particular type of yoga equipment, where, what have you like, like yeah. how, how, how did you guys just kind of throw a dart at the wall and say, this is what we need to sell? Yeah. Oh yeah. Another great question. And it's funny. Cause I actually just wrote like a blog post on that today. Literally today I was sitting in a coffee shop this morning, just writing. Because I shared this story, I, I posted my first piece of content on my LinkedIn yesterday, talking about the incubator experience. Um, and then I wrote, I'm writing a follow up blog post because I had so many people ask me that same question, like, where did you come up with these ideas? Yeah. Um, you know, another question people ask is like, so did you actually like make the products? Like, I get that all the time. So idea first. We would, I spent a lot of time on like Amazon, you know, Etsy, Pinterest, the internet. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm an internet user and I just enjoy product searching and looking around the internet to kind of get inspiration for things. Um, from there, I, we would identify potential opportunities and like a Google sheet. We would just like have a Google sheet, add a bunch of different products, be like, kind of created a framework for testing these products um and you know identified are there other products other SKUs that we could add on to this are there other like opportunities to grow this into a bigger collection um and most importantly i think or one of a super important aspect is like where is the market selling this product now how much can we get that product made for so we would like go on alibaba global sources and, and check to see like is there enough margin in there for us to like come in and offer our product and compete and have enough dollars to spend on marketing where we're still profitable um so that was how we how we walked through it but then this is kind of an interesting uh process that we would run um 
before we ever spent a single dollar on inventory, we would pre-test our concepts. So we would, um, we worked with our team of designers and we would basically tell them our vision, explain what kind of products we wanted made, what we wanted them to look like, what kind of specifications on the product. And they would give us, they, we'd work directly with them and they would create some like really appealing looking mock-ups for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, images and videos that we were then able to test in ads. So we would launch on Facebook, launch on Google, launch some of our products to a pre-sold landing page um, on Shopify, where we'd be like, hey, we're pre-selling this product, jump in now at a discount. And we were able to gauge so many initial metrics that would determine whether or not that brand had potential. So we would look at engagement on our ad posts, We'd look at the click-through rates. We'd look at like cost per click. Um, and then on the on the website side of things, we would look at conversion rate um, and just see, see how frequently people were buying before we then went back and actually made the products um, and, and start investing money into inventory. Yeah. We did a lot of pre-testing. Um, and out of like the few successful businesses that I've started, We've actually had more businesses that didn't work. We've had probably, I've probably tried 10 to 15 businesses that failed within the first thousand dollars of ad testing um, that I was like, wow, this is terrible. Nobody wants this. Um, and like, I just, we just let the market tell us what they wanted um, and would use like digital marketing platforms as our means of testing that. Yeah. So you kind of did your own version of a Kickstarter uh, exactly on the, on the front end. So, you know, pre-prototype. Exactly. Uh, one of the things you just alluded to, I was going to ask you, you know, uh, you, you've obviously had successes in uh, these dozen or so businesses. What are some of the more uh, interesting or unique products that didn't pan out? So here's a, a funny example. And, and in hindsight, it's a terrible idea. Um, but you never know, like hindsight's 2020. Um, and you'd be surprised some of the products that work out there. Like, um, so we had like an inspirational jewelry brand where we were selling like lower priced inspirational jewelry pieces that would like motivate people. And, you know, we sold bangle bracelets. And so we were like, oh, like this is kind of working. Like who else is like a motivated mark, like niche? We were like, people who are into fitness are super motivated. What if we made like a bunch of jewelry with like dumbbells on it and like fitness slogans um, and different like fitness related um, like sayings and designs. And we launched it and it was like the worst thing I've ever seen. We were, we were like paying like $4 per click to get somebody to come to our website. You know, ideally we'd like to see that number, you know, 50 cents or below right. um, to like kind of even have a chance at it being successful. Um, so that was like a terrible one. Um, trying to think of some others for you. Uh, I think like uh, we had another apparel store that, that flopped pretty good. Um, we had a fitness like workout from home fitness store that just like didn't work well. Um, so yeah, that, that was a few of them. Yeah, that's it's always it's always interesting to see what does and and does not work because it's not always intuitive, uh, as you know you have uh, you have observed. 
Uh, so you mentioned inventory and before, you know, before you guys uh, actually stocked inventory, you went through this whole process. Uh, if, uh, and I'm stuck on the men's rompers thing. So forgive me if there's a better example, we can pick on something else, but you know, how did you uh, determine like, Hey, you know, manufacturer or, you know, whatever, wherever you are, I need 10,000 men's rompers in sizes, small, medium, and large. Like how, how did y'all manage the inventory kind of the front end place the initial order? And how was that managed as um, you guys went forward? Yeah. So, so the first order, like after we like validated the concept and realized like, okay, this thing has potential. We could throw marketing dollars behind this and most likely we're going to be profitable. We would pause, we put everything on hold. We'd pause our ads, kind of pause and like work on building up the sites, building up our product offering. Um, and then we'd obviously have to go to the supplier um, and place our initial order. So the good news is that we already know that like we have a fairly high degree of confidence that we'll at least be able to sell through the inventory at break even if we needed to. So it gives us a little bit more room to play with um, in terms of like inventory budgeting but yeah i mean like i like i mentioned before we would literally just go to alibaba global sources like any one of those sourcing websites um if we were sourcing internationally and we would message three to five suppliers that checked the boxes that we were looking for you know that had factories that were big enough they were able to send us like videos of their manufacturing process and we would create um you know the initial order let's say it was like 5000 units we would try our best to like build up our authority in the space and be like hey we've done this for other stores we think we're going to we can establish a good partnership like what's the best pricing you could give us for this right. um and kind of like try to establish that relationship early on we'd get the pricing we'd place the order and then we would have a like a quality control company um, like, let's say we were getting our products from China, we'd have a quality control company in China go inspect the first couple of orders to make sure that like, um, that the quality was good and to like, let the supplier know that like, we're, we're definitely, we're going to be keeping an eye on like the QC and that like, we need, we obviously need the quality to be of high standard. Cause we, we, we did run into some issues very early on where we placed a little bit too much trust in suppliers and we we paid for inventory that was like just not good where we had issues and you know learned an expensive lesson early on sure did you guys uh experience any kind of uh craziness with uh you know fulfillment during covid uh was it how what kind of effect did that have on y'all's businesses yeah i mean covid as a whole was very positive for our businesses um we definitely did have um some supply chain hiccups but we were in a fortunate position to be well stocked at the beginning of covid and also well positioned like we had three businesses that were, were full steam right when covid hit that we had like just gotten a bunch of inventory for um and so what ended up happening when covid started were the companies that didn't do a good job forecasting inventory and, and planning they were um they were you know they were in a lot of trouble additionally the 
companies that were like overly concerned and and I, I use the word overly but like the companies that were very very concerned about the reputation and like didn't want to like potentially inconvenience their customers with delayed shipping times they would they pulled a lot of their spend off of the major platforms like facebook google um you know tiktok at the time they started pulling spend so some of the biggest spenders pulled money off and what happened was our cpms our our, our cost to advertise uh decreased very significantly so like overnight we were getting like 30 to 40% cheaper results. We were acquiring customers 30 or 40% cheaper than we were before. So we were like, oh man, we have the inventory. You know, we have confidence that our customer, like we're communicating with our customers with what's going on. Let's run this up. And so we were running like massive days. We were doing like 30K a day, 40K a day on each one of our brands um, during COVID that whole period um, because like our ads were just performing so well and we were just in, in a position where we were able to do so. Yeah. That's amazing. How did you guys handle the fulfillment, the shipping side of things? Like, so you get 10,000, you know, units over from uh, wherever uh, did you guys do that yourselves? Did you use a third party to actually ship stuff out? Uh, yeah. Package? So we, yeah. Yeah. We used a, um, we did it ourselves for a little bit, but honestly, it was a lot of, a, a, you know, a pretty big headache. We ended up switching to Shipmunk, um, who we've since like established a good working relationship with there. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, we've worked with them for a few years now. And uh, that was just one area of the business where like, it just felt so different. Like we were marketer, we were, we liked branding, we liked marketing, product development and like creating a fulfillment center felt entirely different so we just kind of like stuck with what we were good at and and outsourced that piece um to the 3pl yeah makes a lot of sense so uh what uh general advice would you share with our listeners who uh maybe have a uh, have a retail e-commerce uh, site set up and are you know looking to grow or maybe you're looking to get into the space? What's like the top three things that you tell anybody that would ask you that generic question? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I, a question to people getting started or people already in, like what would, I think either or both. I think whatever okay. um, you know, whatever resonates uh, the most with you. Yeah, I, I think for people just getting started, um, I think like the biggest piece of advice would be like the cliche, like just get started, like move quickly. Like it's not; it's so easy to launch a store these days. Like it's it's never been easier to like launch a Shopify store. You know, there are people that you can hire on Fiverr, on Upwork, you know, indeed when like, if you want to hire local talent, like there are people you can hire that will do the things that you're not good at. So like, I didn't know how to design anything, but I, I, I know that there are resources out there where you can hire things and pay designers to create stuff. And like, really, you just have to have like a vision of what you want. So like, that would be one piece of advice. Just get started. Um, I guess like the second piece would be 
to stay consistent with it. Like we didn't like the first business I had, it took us months before we started getting sales to roll in. And I was obviously like, I was young and still am, but like I was young, motivated and like ultimately like patient. Like I knew like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I, I think this is going to work. I really believe in it. I'm going to keep pushing it forward, keep pushing it forward. And like, and ev- sales eventually started rolling in for us. Um, and like, I just, every day I try to make progress on it. So like staying consistent was important. Um, and then I think like the last thing that can be challenging as an entrepreneur is learning to like self-regulate and and you know this, Garrett, like it, it it can be a challenge, like with nobody pushing you, like, you know, I don't have, it's a double-edged sword. You know, I don't have a boss who expects reports every week. Um, I don't have somebody pushing me. Um, you have to be very like self-disciplined. You have to be like a self-starter, I think, to have success in this space. Um, and I, I certainly am that I'm not like a workaholic by any means, but like, I take care of myself. Um, I know what I need and I'm like very, I check in with myself frequently um, to like make sure that like I'm in a good spot and that I can continue to do this um, like mentally and physically and and everything else. Like I feel like it's just all, it all feeds itself. But I I think that's a few pieces of advice I would say were important to me. Yeah, that's excellent. I like the check in with yourself piece. I know it's, uh, it's hard uh, being an entrepreneur myself, like you, like you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the self-motivation, but also the self-governance, like keeping yourself like, you know, from going off the deep end, you know, completely into something is, 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 can be a challenge. Is there uh, anything for you that like you, that is important for your, your process to make you feel connected to your business, to yourself? Like, are there any activities that that you have yeah so that's, that's uh i appreciate that question uh th- there are a, a few things that that we do uh one of if you know we're in the digital space uh so so much of what we do is well you know digital virtual what have you uh you know one of the things that makes me f- uh very grounded is actually having folks come into the office several days a week and actually you know, have the open communication where uh, it doesn't get such such a big kind of thing where it's like out there and we're constantly hacking on it, but we never actually see it kind of deal. Uh, so, you know, the the face-to-face, whether it's, you know, literally face-to-face or over Zoom or Meets or whatever, uh, you know, that piece is, is really, really important to me. Um, and I think constantly having conversations about, what what we're doing and what we want to do, uh, you know, we're more on the service side as opposed to the you know the product side of things. Uh, but having those continual conversations about hey, this is this is where we want to grow at, this is where we want to where we want to grow into, uh, how can we get there? Uh, those kind of help keep me reined in. Uh, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you can kind of go the. I'm going to sleep on the couch for a week and not talk to anybody, or I'm going to do this, you know, 28 hours a day kind of deal. And there's, you know, it's a kind of yeah. 
tampering in, finding that happy medium is is incredibly important. So, uh, like you said, you know, um, checking in with your with yourself, uh, and if you happen to have kids and or a uh, spouse, that uh, that adds a different layer of checking in. But that's probably a that's a topic probably for a beer or two. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would love that. I'd love to get into that. But it's obviously work for you and, and Polyglot Labs. Like you've built something amazing. So Thank you. You, you, you've you had a ton of success. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm always eager to learn too. Um, I know we had a chance to talk before this, but uh, yeah, I'm, I always love learning from other founders, like what their secret sauce is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, we, uh, we're kind of nearing the end of our time. Like, like I said, we'd love to uh, catch up over a few beers and maybe we can do this again. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what do you, so you sold, uh, these, uh, I think you said four businesses to two different, uh, organizations. What are you doing now? What, what is, uh, you know, what's your, your current gig? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm, I'm currently. In a pretty open spot. I'm looking for my next opportunity. Um, I am like open to consulting with some brands on like growth marketing and some of the stuff that I've been able to do successfully for my brands. Um, so I'm kind of I'm growing my personal brand a little bit. Um, like I mentioned before, I just started posting on my LinkedIn. Um, I'm gonna start posting on my Twitter, and I would like to just like reach out to my network and and find where the next opportunity is for me. I'm, I'm super optimistic about the future of e-commerce. And, yeah. you know, people have always been saying it's like, oh, there's it's so saturated. There's so many people in there. But that just couldn't be further from the truth. There's always a million opportunities. You just have to know where to look for them. So that's what I'm up to right now. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mr. Brendan, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way? Um. LinkedIn, my, my uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Brendan Brosnan. Um, reach out on brendanbrosnan.com or, or they could send an email to, to my, uh, my personal email at uh, B O O B R O S N A N, bubrosnan at gmail.com. Beautiful. Awesome. Brendan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the insight, the advice you shared with, with our listeners. Um, yeah. appreciate you. This was great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. guys, my name is Garrett Massey. Thank you so much for joining us today in e-commerce connector. Look forward to speaking with you next time. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on e-commerce connector. This show is brought to you by polyglot labs, a web and software development firm, which provides digital solutions to drive growth for e-commerce innovators. For more information, go to polyglotlabs.com.